X's and T podcast. Danny here, and um, we're back at it again. Want to just thank everybody who has been so incredibly supportive for everybody who has reached out and wanted to share their stories with me, who's wanted to just be supportive, share the podcast. You guys are the best, but we're back at it again with more anti MLM content. And I'm so stoked about it because the more that I talk to people who have been a part of Worldwide, I swear to you, the more I learn and the worse it gets, honestly. So quick disclaimer, this is based on personal opinions, personal experiences. Um, I'm not here to defame anybody. My guest is not here to defame anybody. Purely just sharing a story that I personally feel is very important to share and we're entitled to do that. Now, I do say this every time purely because I'm not trying to get sued. Amway's a distribution company. Um, that's who they are to, to me and my beef is with Worldwide. However, I do also understand that it is a symbiotic relationship. Maybe it's toxic and neither of them actually wants to be in it. Allegedly, one does co-sign the other, if I'm being honest. With that being said, like I said, everybody's names that we're going to be discussing today has been changed. Please don't sue me. Today, we have a guest who is probably the highest pin level I've actually spoken to on here. Okay. This is a big deal because they tell you when you hit even that first milestone. And again, this is a worldwide dream builder recognition. This is nothing to do with Amway. They say once you hit this pin level, you are less likely to leave. Like that you are so indoctrinated at this point, you are in it for life, which is interesting. Like you're hearing more and more that these people are leaving. And so this person, so excited, you guys, this is a brand new perspective. You guys, she left only a couple of months ago, which means all the information that we are going to be hearing is present day shit. You know, I can speak to like 2016 through like 2019. We've heard up through 2020. You guys, this is 2023. This is what's actually going on today. I'm so excited. You guys, we have Brie here with us today. What is up, Brie? Thank you so much for being here. Hey, yeah, Danny. Thank you so much for having me. I am. I was, I was really excited. I think that I, I always get excited with anybody who wants to come and talk to me, who wants to even just share a little bit of their story. I'm curious, how did you find this podcast? So I actually kind of got to the point where I, I left Worldwide three or four months ago um, and I had cooled off from it and I was like, okay, I'm good. And then I actually got a very aggressive text from my former Upline Platinum. And I knew something was wrong kind of the whole time, but I hadn't really committed myself to investigating and figuring out what happened. And after I got this text, it sparked me. And honestly, it pissed me off enough to go figure it out. Um, so I went typing Amway, WWDB into every search bar, every search engine, everything I could find. I was all over Reddit. I mean, I was like a crazy person in somebody's basement. I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. Um, and so then I went to Spotify and typed those words in and I found the podcast. I love that because that shows a level of aggression that you can tell they pissed you off. You went yeah. straight to oh, the yeah. source mm -hmm. because I feel like a lot of times people will just go to Google and not that there's anything wrong with that. I totally feel like Reddit posts are valid. I love Reddit mm -hmm. and people will criticize. I know the club owner, he would always say, oh, you're going to trust somebody who goes by the name Sexy Kitten 69 on an mm -hmm. online forum. They're not going to give you their real name. Like we're giving you our faces, you know where we live. And what I realized pretty quickly is that creates a power dynamic. People mm -hmm. are afraid to come out. Nobody wants the backlash. No one's trying to get sued. Like people, yep. I think are afraid of saying something. Mm -hmm. And so, hi, I'm Danny. I am not afraid to show my face. I'm not afraid to say what I think. Do I do tweak things a little bit? Sure. Because I understand yeah. the laws regarding what I'm doing. What is it that has like, and, and I know that you 
I had gotten kind of angry and that's why you Mm -hmm. wanted to learn more, but what is it that Mm -hmm. compelled you to want to share your story? Honestly, the more that I did research, the more that I kind of figured out that everything in me was right. And that when I thought there was something up, there was actually something up, but it went a lot deeper than I thought it did. And I think people have a right to that information because I, I feel like if I knew then what I knew now, and really there's no way of knowing, but I think if I knew that there was a whole nother business behind the business that I was involved in, and I knew why people were actually in business, I don't think I would have felt for that. And so I, like I said, I think people have a right to that information before they go and put years of their lives into something. And it's true. People will lose quite literally decades of their lives. Yeah. And Fisher said it perfectly. He's like, you could lose your 20s to these people. I mean, you're talking about how impactful your 20s are. Mm -hmm. And I know I lost a good fraction of like the better half of my 20s to this organization, because Mm -hmm. it's not just with the time in the organization, it's time after and the time that you have to spend healing as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm really glad again, that you do have that compelling nature to want to talk about it and be able to just spread that information. Mm -hmm. I mean, We can't save everybody, unfortunately, because they're really, really good at information control. And that, so um, I always go into this, but it's the, um, it's the bite model, Stephen Hassan's bite model. Um, This is for fair use and commentary purposes, just here to share some information and it's um, freedomofmind.com. Definitely check it out. It goes over um, behavior control, information control, thought control, emotional control, bite, Mm. B-I-T-E. And the information control is quite literally the very first aspect when it comes to being introduced to this business. Um, So that's just a little bit of context there. But I did want to ask, Bree, can you tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about yourself and who you are today? Yeah, sure. Um, So I actually just recently graduated from college. I'm a writer. I got my degree in English. So um, that's kind of what I've done my whole life, reading, writing. Um, I do songwriting. I play the piano. I do art. I like thrift. So that's very much the nature of my personality. That's pretty cool, which is really exciting. Congratulations. That is an incredible accomplishment, especially with the fact that you were in worldwide and you stayed in college. I did. That mm-hmm. is huge. Yeah. Especially considering that it, I don't know that it was necessarily discouraged across the organization, but I did hear multiple conversations where people were encouraged to leave school. So I'm glad yeah. I didn't listen. Yeah, no joke. Yeah. Cause it's always the, you don't need that. You're actually going to mm-hmm. do this business. You're going to be a millionaire. Like there's no reason for you to even have a backup plan. So going to worldwide. How were you introduced to this organization and what did it look like when you first met your sponsor? So I was actually introduced online. Um, Long story short, I ended up on LinkedIn and I ended up connecting with who would be my upline platinum um, through LinkedIn. Now I had originally been marketing myself as music and entertainment. That was the industry that I wanted to break into. It's still the industry that I want to break into, um, but I took a two-year hiatus because (laughs) I was occupied doing this. And so that's how I was marketing myself. My former platinum claimed to be operating in that industry. And that is how he connected with me through LinkedIn. And he had originally told me like, Hey, I might have some connections in the industry that could help you. Let's get on the phone. That is so predatory. Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. is, and I think we talked about this before, but it's dangerous. That is mm-hmm. actually fucking dangerous because you think about all these fucked up stories and I'm a true crime junkie. I love yeah. it. You know, there's a lot of stories where you find people are being groomed online and, and that's mm-hmm. how they do it. Like that yep. is genuinely like scary. And Mm -hmm. when you like, would you later find out that this person, were they actually in the industry? And was it recent? He was, I don't, I'm going to be honest with you. I never really a hundred percent found out what he did. Um, I think I figured out that he did some kind of 
videography for like a news station, I think is maybe what he did. Um, but towards the beginning, I, I don't think I ever really knew what he did. I don't think he ever told me. That's insane. Yeah. So when you when you hear something like that, I can imagine that just sparks were flying every which direction. I mean, mm-hmm. that's your in. That is your into this industry that you have yeah. dreamt about. So of course you're going to keep going. And mm-hmm. how long did it take for him to tell you what it actually was that his intentions were with communicating with you? It was actually by like the second. So he had told me, he's like, Hey, you know, let's get on the phone. We got on the phone. We ended up booking what I now know to be an MG one. Um, we sat down and talked about that. And so by the second time that we sat down, uh, he actually revealed to me that it was Amway um, and that he was part of Worldwide. However, that was still kind of presented under the ruse of, hey, well, you could do this in order to fund your desire to be in the industry, right? So it was still kind of presented under this mask of being helpful to what it is that I really wanted to pursue. Um, And that's why I ended up pursuing it in the first place. Because I I was broke. I had no money. You know, I'm in college. I was working. I couldn't tell you how many jobs. Um, And all I really wanted was money to be able to pay proper producers, to be able to get proper equipment, right? That was really all I wanted. Um, And so he kind of presented it to me as a means to to acquire those things. And that that makes me really sad because he... And this is what Worldwide does, you guys. They they pray up, they find things out about you, and then they do what they need to in order to be the person who's going to inspire you the most. And I'm going to make an example here. This is maybe not directly, but this is a type of mirroring. This is a very narcissistic trait. You think about um, how do these people who like are abusers, how do they reel you in because it's not like on the first time that you meet them you know exactly who they are and there's no transparency from them they have done their research on you they've checked mm-hmm. out your social media pages or they directly messaged you on social media but they already have a good idea of who you are and they know what to say or they're going to pry with questions. So they'll ask you, I don't know if it's still taught today, but we were taught form, family, occupation, Mm -hmm. recreation, message, or motivation. And it literally starts at how's your day, or it starts at, I love those shoes. And your conversations naturally as people, how's your day going? Oh, it's kind of, it's all right. It's all right. Oh, well, you know, what, what, like what could be better about it or something. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you start talking about your job. It's like, "Ah, I just had a rough day at work. Oh, what do you do for a living? Mm -hmm. Oh, I am, I'm in retail. Oh. And then eventually it's like, you know, I meant, I know you mentioned that you were in retail. Um, I just, you know, you sound like you're having a miserable time. And, and honestly, I, I really like this connection that we've had. I think it would be great. I have some friends, my best of friends. One of them actually started out in retail. They have since contracted with some pretty big companies. I don't know if it would be helpful to you or not. I don't know if they can do anything for you, but I'd love to introduce you to them. That is a dropped message, my friend. Yep. Spot on. Spot (laughs) on. Oh my goodness. And it's because you said one thing that they have been taught to use to get to that pain point. And like in our previous episode with Cassia, she said that no one is above a cult. They just haven't hit your pain point yet, which is true. So you're on LinkedIn, you meet this person, Mm -hmm. you sit down. Did they present it to you in that sense that this is an interview process and, and made it very, like very professional? What did that process look like for you? Yeah. So I think honestly, from the beginning, I was hooked just at the potential because like I said, all I wanted was to break into this industry and I had just kind of run into wall after wall after wall. Um, And so I saw a door and I was like, I'd be kind of dumb not to figure this out. Right. Um, But when we sat down for the first meeting, it didn't feel like an interview at all. Honestly, it felt more like an interview when we were on the phone 
than the first meeting did. The first meeting felt like what I would now describe as him buttering me up. Kind of felt like him wanting to figure out, okay, what do you, what do you, not what do you want, but um, he kind of phrased it as like, what can we do for you? But now I kind of understand that as what are the points that I can kind of hit? What are the pain points that I can leverage? Um, and so, like I said, I was really hooked from the beginning because I just, I didn't have another opportunity. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. true. I mean, especially when you have that level of motivation and I feel like everybody has their, has levels of motivation to do what it is that they have to do. And mm-hmm. I feel like some of us who have been more intrigued by that success principle aspect of things, like, and you mentioned that, oh my God, they thrive on that shit. Just, mm-hmm. I've always dreamt of this. And this is what research I've been doing to get there. That mm-hmm. is a huge thing for them. When they know that you are pretty much willing to do what it takes. I mean, I, do they still give the manure analogy? They do. Yeah, they they do. <laughs> so I remember hearing that in your podcast and I was like, there is no way. They try to figure out, are you willing to do what it takes? Are you willing yeah. to scoop manure with your bare hands to make an income stream for the rest of your life? Are you willing mm-hmm. to do that for two to five years to mm-hmm. get an unlimited income stream of a million dollars right. a year or more? Yep, yep. And of course, who's not going to say, who's going to say no? Like I, I saw a meme uh, the other day, actually, and it's probably old, but it was, would you clean up a graveyard for $80 an hour? Honest to God, I would, dude. I'm desperate. $80 an dude. hour, graveyard, come at me, ghost. I'll do it. Like, right. And I'll take 10 hours to do it too. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, right. they do. And, and you were, you were how old when, when you started doing this? You were pretty young, weren't you? I was 19. Yo. I was 19. That's insane. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I do have to say like, good for you for getting out before they took like any more of your twenties. Like yeah. that's dope. So, so excited for you. Um, but 19, mm-hmm. 19 is, I think I know at 19, at 18, we want to mm-hmm. believe that we can take on the world, that we know what we're doing, that we, mm-hmm. you know, but there is still that level of naivety, I think in, in yeah. that even, even after like, and of course I respect people for where their ages are at. You know, I, I know, mm-hmm. I remember being that age. I remember mm-hmm. being younger. Like there's such a drive to take on life and yeah. and just go, especially the younger generation. Nobody wants to work a regular nine to five, but yeah, you know, it, it's the it's the pain points and finding that and you being 19 years old did they did they kind of leverage that like you're so young like you have this opportunity ahead of you what like what did that look like a hundred percent they leveraged that they told me oh my gosh you're so lucky that that you've um that you met us so young like we had to wait till we were a little bit older like this is a blessing is really how they framed it and what they told me is oh my you know you're in your second year of college by the time you graduate you could be free is how they pitched it to me that's so crazy. So you go through this process and he was pretty, which is cool. I think it's great. And I, we kind of talked about this before where it was like, you know, I I personally feel like that's a step in the right direction, one step, but it is a step forward where they're actually being more honest about who they are and what they're doing up front. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, anybody who's been in the business a little bit before this time, before modern day, we mm-hmm. always like, it took a long time for us to learn that this is worldwide. This is Amway. It was so ambiguous. We had so much information control where they had no, like we weren't prepared for this information essentially, mm-hmm. but now it's good that they did that. So did, had you ever heard of Amway at this, like when he mentioned it? No, I hadn't heard anything about it. And I think that was also where they had an advantage because I had no idea what it yeah. was. When they had brought this up to you and that this is going to fund your life, what was your first exposure outside of this meeting with this one person? Like, did you, did they take you to a board plan? Did they take you like to a bigger function? So everything for me was actually virtual. I didn't do a single thing in person because 
because there were COVID restrictions still in place. Um, and my upline was also on the West Coast and I'm in the Midwest. So there was really nothing they could plug me into either because the Midwest market is just practically non-existent. Um, yeah. And so everything for me was was online. Wow. Everything from the, the entire process start to finish. I didn't go to my first in-person board plan until almost a year being in business. Wow. And that is so shocking because, and and I, now that you say it the way that you, you did, and it connected in my brain that it's like, oh, no wonder they reached out to you virtually. That's how they were prospecting. Cause they would always tell yeah. us not to do that. I mean, let me backtrack for a second. They didn't tell us not to, but they would present it in a, Hey, reach out to all of your old friends, reach out to anybody you knew, just check on them, see how they're doing. And it's so deceptive. It's so manipulative. And it's so deceptive for that to be taught that way, because you know, like they know what they're teaching you. And I think for me anyway, I thought I was at least doing something to help people. And then on the back end of it, I figure out what it actually is. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's manipulation. Like they can frame it however they want to, but that's what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy to see how things have changed. Gosh. Okay. So in the beginning, when, when you kind of saw everything virtually and, and you saw your first I guess, board plan virtually. Mm -hmm. What is it that kind of inspired you the most? Like, what was the one thing that you're like, oh man, like I am so much more invested in this than maybe I was before I saw this. It was literally the money, point blank. It was, it was the money. I mean, there's no way around that. I wouldn't, I mean, if they were showing me 30, 40,000 a year, even 80, I, I would have laughed and walked, but they were at that point showing me upwards of three to 400,000 a year. Yeah. So, and they would say, I mean, I, I've heard it in some of your other episodes as well, but they would say like, oh, for legal reasons, we have to show you this document until you what this document says however on the side we blow these numbers out of the water and the way they would say it is we don't do average we do savage and these are the average numbers on the paper but we don't we are not an accurate representation of this like we we like supersede this yes yes oh my god that is so true and we'll get into why that's fucked up later but <laughs> it makes me want to like yeah. knowing oh my god it makes me want to scream <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. it's it's so infuriating and in how like you feel deceived. So I totally see where you're coming from with that. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to, you know, this whole portion, like what was the expectation set for you? Because you started at this point where they were now pushing retail. There was no more you buy the entire PV amount. Everything totally made a shift. So you can kind of give us perspective as to what it was like when you first went in. Um, and then we can kind of go into how it changed a little mm -hmm. bit later. Mm -hmm. But what was your expectations at that point? Maybe PV amounts and, mm -hmm. and dropping the message, core, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So core was, you know, as you know it, I mean, it was 10 steps of core, right? But then you had the five daily habits, right? So it was reading, listening to your audio, cating your upline, uh, getting a contact, I think it was part of core. I don't know. But so that was expected daily. Um, as far as PV went, you were expected to, you were expected to have at least 150 PV every month, minimum 50 of that PV coming from customers at the bare minimum. So that was the expectation, expectation that was set from jump as far as PV and court were concerned. Okay. And what about your meeting expectations? Since everything was virtual, was there more available to you since you could plug into meetings with your upline? So there, honestly, I went to less when I started than I did by the time I finished. Um, originally, there was a board plan virtually like every other week because my upline was on the West Coast. And so they had to kind of cater to the mid the Midwest because they were growing a little bit out here. Um, and so it was one board plan every other week. However, by the time I left, it was one a week, sometimes two. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And were you expected to dress business professional on Zoom? I heard that that was a thing. A hundred percent. But the other That's kind so of cringe. interesting thing about it is because the West Coast is three hours behind the Midwest. We were having these meetings at 8 p.m. 
our time, right? And so it's eight, nine, 10, 11, you know, 11, 12 by the time the whole thing is over. And so yeah. we're having to work the next day and they're starting at five and they're kind of expecting us to be up and awake and alert and oriented for this entire thing. And the other thing I yeah. will say that was kind of interesting is that they market it as it being your own business. Like this is your own business. And, and during the meetings, they would say, yeah, like this is your business, do what you want to do. When, when I would take it to my upline and be like, Hey, well, somebody said, um, what if they don't want to do this? Or what if they don't want to do that? The way they would encourage me to respond was to say, hey, well, it's your business. We're not going to force you to do anything. But then by the time I started in business, it was like, why are you not on these board plans? Why are you not coming to every single one? Why are you not coming to every single training? So in itself, like there was this giant contradiction of, yeah, it's your business, like air quotes, it's your business, but we're going to tell you what to do. 1000%. I was yeah. told that our platinums own our businesses until we go platinum. Which is crazy. We were never told that, but it was certainly kind of the vibe that you, like you were, you were shunned if you didn't go to board plans. I mean, there was, there was kind of a, an energy around it that was not good. And so if you didn't show up to a board plan, you didn't want to get a Kate from your upline being like, Hey, Hey, where are you at? How are you? What's what's going on? Because you knew that yeah. was disingenuous. You knew what the message was behind that. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's really interesting now that you were so far away from your upline. Mm -hmm. And I know, so everybody, we talk so, so negatively now, but everybody I feel like has a honeymoon phase with the exception of a couple of people that I've spoken to. But during this honeymoon phase, and I know you went Eagle, which is a worldwide recognition. This is nothing to do with Amway, but worldwide mm -hmm. basically created this, this width amount mm -hmm. you have six mm -hmm. downline that's your eagle ship and they push 20 wide they always say put in your 20 because you only need six quality mm -hmm. quote platinum legs to go diamond but they want you to have 20 because they know that there is a shit ton of fallout there's people who quote don't work the business or whatever they push so many but essentially your eagle ship is your very very first like milestone that is the goal they push eagles so heavily and eagles are praised they're praised because they know that once you go eagle you are less likely to leave. So mm -hmm. during this honeymoon phase that you had, what was your first year like? And, and about how long did it take you to go Eagle? Because it sounds like you took this thing pretty seriously. Yeah. So I think the first three or four months, it was really hard for me to get into. I didn't, I wasn't super comfortable with the idea of prospecting. I didn't really like it because it felt like spear hunting, you know, and they had to kind of bang it into my head that that's not what was happening. But I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it was. And so it took me I would say maybe six months to get comfortable with it, to get comfortable with core, to get comfortable with communicating with somebody every day. The love bombing was kind of intense. They were hitting me with, I love yous like the third or fourth day into business. And I was like, whoa, I don't know you. Why are you saying that to me? And so after those six months is really when I started to, to, to get to the point where I'm like, okay, dude, you've got, and college was kind of my timeline. So I think once I saw the end of a semester coming up, I freaked out and I was like, okay, we need to get working because I want to quit my job before I graduate. Right. So I start hustling, I start working. And then, um, that would have been in, let me think. November. So I start really working it in May of May of 21 is really when I started working it. And then by September of 22, I'd gone Eagle. Wow. So that was when I broke as an Eagle. Um, and then I almost went double. I had 10 or 11 legs after that. So I had almost wow. hit double as well. Yeah. Which I, I don't know if that's like, a good thing or a bad thing at this point, how many people can I manipulate in my process, right? But, you know, needless to say, I was kind of close to that double 
um, pin as well. Right. But the thing is, is we all know that we manipulated people. We can all come on yeah. and be like super honest and be like, we know mm-hmm. what we are doing is wrong. And we can take accountability for that, but also be able to be like, this is why we left. This is why we hated what we were doing. And, mm-hmm. um, but also when you're in it, you genuinely feel like you're helping people. And yeah. a lot of the time it goes beyond just helping people. You know what lies ahead when it comes to how they reward you. Mm-hmm. You have so many more, what do they call those? Incentives mm-hmm. that you can have the higher pin levels that you are, you get around a whole different level of association. So it's not mm-hmm. only, oh, I need to help people, but it's like, I need to go double eagle so I can go to what moving up is double eagle moving mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So moving up is, I don't know that I've ever talked about that before. It kind of just came to my head. I forgot about it, but moving up is basically like big party that you get to go to and you, uh, you get to go to your like upline, whoever's house. I know for my line of sponsorship, you got to go hang out with the crown guy. Like that was our upline diamond. He did some big stuff for moving up. And then platinum is when you get to go to Amway headquarters because platinum is actually the first real recognition because that's when it starts being about PV. Worldwide mm-hmm. makes it about people and how many people you can recruit. Mm-hmm. Amways is a PV amount because in theory, their business model is sales. You're supposed to mm-hmm. like sell things and sure, you're supposed to have a downline too, but the PV amount shows that it's about, it's all about the products and getting products out there. So I can totally, I wanted to go Eagle so bad. I almost had an Eagle ship three different fucking times. I remember wanting to get to that point. Not just because I was helping people, but because I wanted that next step of elevated association. It's insane to me because I know that at Eagle, you hear different things than us base level people, as I like to say, bottom of the barrel. We're like the lowest of the low. Everybody else is. That's how they view us anyway. So what was this new elevated association like? Honestly, I really don't think it was any different than being than not being Eagle at all. Um, I think by that point, you really are so wrapped up in it that you kind of lose sight of why you started. And all they they kind of tunnel into your ears, association, association, association. So you even forget why you started in the first place. And you forget, honestly, even about helping people sometimes you're just like, God, I just want this pin, right? And you become hyper fixated on this thing. They kind of, they, they tell you that the reward is the association, but I don't know. It didn't feel, it didn't necessarily feel like what I thought it was going to be. I got to get around other leaders. Sure. I got to get around higher pins in the business, which kind of felt like I had bragging rights at that point because I could be on the floor, you know, around, around emeralds and around sapphires and around double eagle rubies that people were fighting for their attention. But I really wasn't hearing anything different. I was really hearing the same thing I was hearing on trainings anyway. And if anything, I was starting to hear some of the locker room talk. I was starting to hear some of the ways that they, and and some of it wasn't necessarily even spoken. It was just observed. So maybe you could see people side-eyeing somebody else, or you could see that um, somebody was like nudging somebody when somebody else was talking, right? And so you got to see some of those things being in that proximity that you didn't get to see from the stands or that you didn't get to see when you didn't have more of that one-on-one time with them. And I think that's, honestly, for me, that's, that's where I started to snap out of it because I was like, oh, this isn't what they said it was. This isn't this big, perfect organization. Because when you see some of the gossip and you hear some of the, the negativity that they absolutely tell you you should not be uh, participating in you kind of figure out it's not what they say it is yeah that's I love that you said it that way because I feel like so many people who didn't go eagle they wanted that so bad and then like when you quit there's almost this like I couldn't even do that and I think again Cassia had a fantastic point she's like it's you're designed to fail very very few people succeed in this type of an organization it's literally designed for you to fail so it's like okay if you never made it to that point but to hear that it wasn't what you expected like it's shocking but it's also not surprising 
surprising because it's like, that's how, that's how they are behind closed doors. Like they'll tell you all of these hype up things. Like they'll hype you the fuck up. Like once you go Eagle, dude, your life is changed. Then it's, it's all upward from there. And that's obviously not true. And um, during this time, how, how long would you say your honeymoon phase was? Was it all positive? And like, what did it start to look like when you really started to notice some red flags and be kind of unsure, but still kept going. Yeah, my honeymoon phase was, um, I mean, it was amazing. I loved the business. I loved my upline. I, girl, I was, I mean, I was in it. I was drinking that Kool-Aid. And it was really because I, it wasn't even necessarily because of the new association or like people I got to be around. Um, I think it was more that I was proving to myself that I could do it, right? And I think that's why I had a honeymoon phase because I was out here. I couldn't get contacts now. I couldn't get contacts, right? I couldn't do my own meetings now. I'm doing all my own meetings. I was getting zero recognition because I was, at a distance. I didn't see anybody. Nobody even knew who I was to all of a sudden, oh, breathe this, breathe that, getting called out on all these work loans, right? And I think that's where the honeymoon phase was for me. And it lasted. So I started I started really building about six months in. Um, and then I really just cut it off like four months before I left. So it would have been that time in between. So um, if I went Eagle in September, it really would have been a couple months before I went Eagle um, all the way up to like this past January. It really was like a yeah. good, a good, um, so it was maybe a year. I don't know. Um, yeah. And it was, like I said, it was great. I had a great team because a lot of my team, we were like best friends. I mean, these were all people I knew people I had formed really great friendships with. And like I said, I was getting a lot of that recognition and that's what I, that's honestly what I, what I wanted. That's what I became hyper fixated on was the recognition. Yeah. And I think that's what caused me to snap out of it too, as I realized what I was doing. No, you're not wrong. Cause you do, you want it mm -hmm. so bad. Mm -hmm. you, it kind of starts out and I don't know if it's, well, obviously with you, it was different because it was all virtual, but mm -hmm. for us, it really started with getting to be the person who introduced your upline for mm. the board plan. And then mm. it's the praise that's, and, and again, this is very exploitative. So it's not by any means a good thing. And I have to agree with you when you start to really think about it, it's like, oh fuck, like, okay, I was a single mom, but yeah. it was very much like, dude, she's a single mom. She, like, what are you doing? Like, mm -hmm. if she has a kid, she's out here doing this. And it, it felt so mm. good. Cause I was like, that was one of my biggest insecurities was being a single parent. Mm -hmm. But then you realize that it's like they're, they wanted to use that to manipulate other people and tell them they're not good enough. But then it was mm -hmm. a way to also exploit me and, and like put me in this position because guess what? When I had mm -hmm. my other baby, I was not out here doing what I was doing anymore. So guess who wasn't getting like recognition anymore. Mm -hmm. This girl right yeah, here. And, yeah. and it really takes a toll. And it's mm -hmm. like, uh oh, I'm not good enough anymore. And I think that's where it hurts when they kind of snatch that recognition away from you because they put you on a pedestal and then they have every, I mean, they have it, it's at their disposal to rip you right off of it too. And I, and yeah. I think it hurts. So when you're up there, you don't want to lose it either. Right. And so then you have this added kind of pressure to continue to perform. And I mean, they totally, they were like, oh yeah, Bree's like a college student. She's 19 years old. And they, I mean, they would say that every time they introduced me. Um, so yeah, I went through kind of something similar, but I think it also goes to show at least, I don't know how it was in your organization, but in mine, they were very much like, we love you regardless. Like we're cool, no matter what kind of thing. Okay. Um, and so I remember, yeah. And so I remember when I kind of stopped performing, there were phone calls to be like, Hey, like what's, why, are, why are you, what's going on? Right. But it didn't yep. really start happening towards the end where they were like, are you okay? And since I've left, there's been no communication from my upline emeralds to see how I'm doing or how I've been. And I think that for me is the paramount example of, I mean, that, I think that's testament to that whole mentality of, I love you. We we're here for you. We care about you being complete garbage. It is. It totally is. And my, my upline who would become my upline eagle. Um, I was so tight with these people. These feel like my honeymoon feels like you was, I was amazing. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I was living on fucking cloud nine. And it yeah. was like, I took it very, very seriously. And they always, 
always said, you will quit us before we quit you. And the moment you start to decline, you're right. There's that phone call like, hey, like what's going on? How can we help you? And then it starts, it becomes that kind of shunning aspect where they start paying. And it's not shunning entirely. You don't get your recognition anymore. Mm -hmm. And they're starting to pay attention to one of the other legs of business mm -hmm. and being like, no, that person's more important. Now this person's getting mm -hmm. all the praise. It's, it's very hurtful. And I think that's like, to bring this up again, coded when they're saying, how can we help you? You don't actually mean, how can you help me? You actually mean my PV, my lack of PV and my lack of performance is harming your business. So what can I do to help you? Yeah. That's what you mean. You don't actually mean that you want to help me. You want me to continue to help you. So there's yeah. a lot of things that are also very coded. And I think that's that's part of the reason why I, I ended up getting so upset. Because if you want me to perform for you, just say that. I would appreciate the honesty. But there was such a level of dishonesty and such a level of masking and creating a facade to make everything seem like they loved you the way your parents would love you or the way their siblings would love you in order to get you to perform. And it was just manipulation at its top tier. Yeah. Definitely. And it's, and it's sad because it does, it fucks with you. And I yeah. feel like even too, and I don't know if this has been an experience with you, but it's all like, it's myself. It's a lot of people getting out of that mentality is, is actually traumatic. You think about the level of emotional damage that does to you. And you even mentioned too, that the pressure became a lot greater. So then mm -hmm. to accept this pressure, but then to almost feel like you fell under pressure. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was really intense. Um, I didn't get to see too much of them kind of moving on to another token child should I say, because I left pretty quickly. Like it wasn't a long process for me to leave. I kind of left all in like a week or two weeks. So I didn't see too much of it. But I mean, even now just dealing with some of the things that I have to unlearn, like I can't sit on the couch for more than 10 minutes and not think, oh crap, I got to get up and do something. It's a lot of unlearning and it takes, mm -hmm. it can take years for some people. Like, it, I mean, healing is different for everybody. So like, there's no mm -hmm. right or wrong answer. If you're 10 years mm -hmm. out of it and you're still healing, like that's, that's you. And I'm so proud of you for continuing that journey. So I kind of want to switch gears a little bit because mm -hmm. this is, now you're in your eagle ship mm -hmm. and I know that the the PV everything kind of changed. Mm -hmm. So um when you be, when you went eagle, did your mm -hmm. PV amount was that still that one 150 PV or did they mm -hmm. expect you to have a higher PV amount because mm -hmm. you went eagle? Mm -hmm. So they always taught 150 PV as the bare minimum and they always taught 500 PV as what they called the standard of excellence. So everybody was expected to to have 500 PV by the end of the month. How much of that was customer volume or personal volume? It really didn't matter. Um, now per Amway's rules and regulations, 70% of that had to be verified customer sales. But the way they taught it was if you want to buy all of it and you can afford it, buy all of it and write 70% off as customer fee. So that's what was expected. Now, as an, I mean, prior to being Eagle, I pretty consistently hit like 300. Um, and that was most of it was retail volume because I just did not have the money. I was in college, right? So most of it was retail. But when I did go Eagle, there I could tell there was a greater expectation for me to be hitting that 500 PV blueprint. And I actually remember somebody in my downline, she ended up having a 600 PV blueprint because she told me she was pretty much so tired of feeling like she wasn't doing enough that she went out of her way, went into debt and bought a 600 PV ditto. And they were praising her and they were telling me like, hey, you need to keep up. And I told my upline, I said, yeah, no, that was not, a, I was like, like that wasn't a smart financial decision on her end. And I know she knows it and you can't pressure me into doing it. Like I'm not, I, I told them, I said, I, I, I'll do my best to like hit it with retail, but I can't, I can't hit that. That's almost what, that's pretty close. If not fully $2,000 worth of Amway yeah. products. Cause I know mm -hmm. when we were expected to do 200, that was $600 back then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And conversion is still the same. It's still three to one. Oh my, that's almost $2,000. 
1800 at the bare minimum if you're buying, if you're doing the whole like, uh, what would they tell us? Buy the products that gave you the most PV for the lowest price and those are always the vitamins. So you have to imagine this person was quite literally stacking up Amway products because there was an expectation. Now I have no judgment towards this person. If they're listening, hi, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> but you're right. Like they pressure you into that point. They pressure mm-hmm. you and they and they 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 hit your soul. Like they mm-hmm. fucking hurt you. And for you to use that term that she was tired of being battered, I am not surprised. And I feel so bad for her. Like mm-hmm. that's fucked up. That is yeah. crazy. I mean, 500 PV, that's $1,500. Mm-hmm. And sure, I understand like selling and mm-hmm. Amway products are pretty expensive, but mm-hmm. 500 in a month, mm-hmm. who is mm-hmm. selling that amount? And, and I yeah. don't, okay, allegedly, or maybe based on your personal opinion or assumption, or maybe things that you've seen, how many people are actually selling that much versus who was maybe buying it? There's literally no way. Um, I think most people are buying it to be straight with you. I remember a couple who was praised for having like 1200 PV. And when they like screen, they screenshot, I think they screenshot a part of their dashboard or maybe they outright said it because I remember knowing that. And I'm like, well, why are you getting praised for buying most of your PV though? So you're just getting praised for having a bigger budget or you're getting praised for spending more money, you know, however, whether it's in budget or not. So it was really just how much PV could you get? It didn't really matter if it was customer or not. And like I said, most people, I don't think were, were, um, actually selling that. Even my friend, I felt so bad for her because she's like one of my best friends. And when I saw that PV, when I saw a ditto process, I was like, I know she can't afford this. And she even told me, like I said, when I was on the phone with her, she was like, yeah, I mean, that was crazy that I did that. She's like, but I, and I guess at that point, she had a lot of people from her job that were like buying excess. So it kind of worked out for her to do that. But she still told me she'd, she'd extended her budget. Like she'd hyper extended her budget to do that. Wow. Yeah. And it's true. They really did that. And, but it's because they'll, they'll also, and I don't know if your organization did this, but mm-hmm. did they ever have like incentives? for these PV amounts? Like if you hit that standard mm-hmm. of excellence of 500, yeah, like were definitely. you not core unless you hit 500? Definitely. That was part of it. Oh my God. Yeah. Did they ever in your organization have like, like a quote 90 day core run and then yep. they would have some sort of an incentive at the end of it? Yes, ma'am. Oh my gosh. So that's, mm-hmm. no, I can more than see how you could hyper extend your budget to, to mm-hmm. just be able mm-hmm. to be good enough for these people mm-hmm. that you're idolizing. Yeah. And I, and I think part of the problem too, is that like, if any of them were listening to this, they turn it off and say, well, we never told them to do that. And it's yeah. like, well, no, you didn't, but you certainly, you, you gave us looks and you gave us calls and you had coded language that told us to do that. Yeah. Well, they, and, and I totally agree. Cause you're right. Like, oh, well, we didn't hold a gun to your head and make you do that. But mm-hmm. you're also, also on stage saying we put ditto before our rent. We put yeah. ditto before th- items for our children. We put mm-hmm. ditto first. Mm-hmm. We would rather be homeless and have a ditto than not have one at all. Uh, yeah. I remember that. That's so extreme. Now going into this, all right, you're starting to notice some red flags. Mm -hmm. I know that there were some really traumatic things that had happened to you during Mm -hmm. this time Mm -hmm. and almost to like, like a sexual harassment extent. Mm -hmm. It's really hard for me to hear that because Mm -hmm. this goes into the cardinal rules. They have specific rules that we are ingrained to follow. You had an experience where your upline were okay with crosslining in a way, if you don't Mm -hmm. mind. You want to tell us about it? Yeah, sure. So um, it was, yeah. So this, this guy, I'll call him Josiah. He was part of my crossline and he ended up, and obviously crosslining is a huge no-no 
you are not supposed to participate in crosslining. And he had gotten my number during some kind of function or something. I don't remember. I had to be at a function because, and, and I will preface this by saying I was not at all interested in him. I was in a very committed relationship. And I also, he was like 10 years older than me. So I was, I was very much not interested, but he had gotten my number at a function or something. And we were kind of the two big leaders on our Platinum's team, right? So it was kind of him and I on the running gun to see who was going to be the next Platinum. So we had kind of a different relationship than everybody else did, right? Um, just knowing we were in the same place, kind of in the same headspace. And so he had my number, he starts texting me in January. So January was kind of smack in the middle between functions. I mean, we had dream night, but that was virtual. So it didn't really matter. So it's kind of smack in the middle between functions. So he kind of starts by just connecting with me. Hey, you know, how was everything? I noticed your boyfriend isn't on the call. So at that time I was going through a breakup actually, but in my head, I was still in a relationship because we were kind of trying to work things out, but it was complicated. And so he's like, Hey, like, do you mind me asking like what happened? And so we end up connecting over it. Um, we end up finding out that his, so his girlfriend at the time who was also in business, they were no longer together. And it turns out that we had kind of a similar situation happen. And so I thought, okay, you know, whatever we're, Sure, it's cross-lining, but there's nothing really going on here. And that'll be that. And it was going to be one conversation. Well, one conversation turned into him kind of texting me here and there. Hey, how's it going? How's this going? How's school going? How's, you know, and I I didn't take it as anything, to be honest with you. I thought it was no big deal. Um, and then he starts hitting me with, hey, we should get married out of the blue, out of nowhere. And I legitimately thought he was joking. And maybe that's naive of me. But I think I thought he was joking because... I would literally never say that to somebody that never expressed interest in me. So I thought it absolutely has to be a joke because you have to be delusional to send that text, right? Yeah. Um, and so he, he proceeds to continue to make these comments and it starts to get a little bit more, I don't, I don't know that aggressive is the right word, but he continues with this behavior, right? And so I, I just, I was like, okay, LOL, haha, right? And I'm kind of laughing it all off because I've had experiences with men in the past that were interesting to say the least, very uncomfortable telling them no wasn't, it didn't put me in the safest position. Right. So at this point I'm thinking, I'm not going to tell him no, because I'm scared point blank. And so it gets to the point where we're at the function. And now he's making comments on my physical appearance, like texting me. And at this point I'm there with a guy that I'm clearly in, in kind of a situation relationship with, and he sees this and proceeds to continue to text me um, about physical things. Right. So now we're edging into like the sexual part of this. And at that point I'm really uncomfortable. And he had told me when we got to the function that something he slipped up in front of our platinum and said something about being in communication with me. And my platinum looked at him and was like, why do you have her number? And so after this happens, he actually texts me, Josiah texts me and says, Hey, I slipped up to our upline. If he asks you, just say you got my number out of function. What and I fuck? was like, and I was like, okay, now this is weird because I would have had no problem really telling them that we were cross, you know, that he was trying to text me or whatever, but now you're telling me not to say anything to them. So now it's weird. Um, and so by that point I had kind of called it and I'm like, okay, nope, you know what? This is no, we're, we're good on this. And I told my upline platinum um, and my upline platinum was furious initially it looked like he was really upset with josiah and not me and then he kind of starts telling me well why did you entertain this why did you allow this takes my phone out of my hands screen records the entire conversation and sends it to my upline emerald who i'm going to call frank sends it directly to him without asking me if that was okay but at this point i'm kind of shaken like i've had some experiences like i said with men in the past so here's another man being aggressive with me snatching my phone out of my hand right so this whole situation is just a bad situation and then he tells me like I said, he proceeds to tell me that I was kind of too soft about it, that I entertained it, that I allowed it, and that there's really like, oh, well, that's on me too. And I told him, I said, so I would love to understand why you think I wanted this attention if I brought it to you in the first place. If I wanted to continue whatever you think this was with him, why would I have told you that I was uncomfortable with it? I had no reason to tell you. I could have lied. I could have, if you, if he would have asked me, I could have lied about having his number at all, right? Yeah, so that's kind of how that situation went down with my platinum. 
He told my Emerald Frank. Frank told his wife, Sam. Sam calls me after the function. It's a night owl at this point when I told my platinum. So it was like after, after the night owl, it was really late. Um, She called me and she kind of starts off the call, funny enough, by telling me that she was at like this big diamonds house. And she's like, yeah, we were just there. Oh my gosh. Like, like the call was going to be okay. But whole time I'm in shambles because I'm like, oh my gosh, I know what she's about to say to me. And she proceeds to say, hey, you know, I know when I was your age, I like that kind of attention for men too. And I didn't really know when not to flirt. And I was just kind of a flirty personality, but by the time I got with somebody, you know, I learned I had to tone that down. And so at this point, I'm offended for a couple of reasons. For one, I was with somebody like I had been, you know, kind of talking to somebody for one and he was there at the function with me. So like, but for two, why if I, if I was flirting, flirting implies that I was enjoying this. If that were the case, why would I have brought it up? And why would I have been so nervous to bring it up? Why would I have been so like upset about the entire thing if it was something that I wanted in the first place? And the fact that there was pretty much no blame put on him and given they said, oh yeah, we communicated with him about it. We talked to him about it. And my platinum kind of slipped and said, yeah, this is something that's happened before. And so now I'm thinking, okay, so this is something that's happened in the past. He has a track record of this behavior and I'm somehow still holding some of that blame. And now I guess I could understand from their perspective if they're going to say, okay, well, you kind of, you allowed some of that if they're initially reading the text messages, fine. But let me explain to you why I responded the way I responded because that was a trauma response. That was me being scared of saying no. That wasn't me wanting to say yes. That was being scared of saying no, right? Which are two different things. And um, and that's just kind of how they handled it. And they were like, yeah, we'll talk to him. But he stayed in business and he's actually still in business. That's so beyond fucked up. I mean, I'm so sorry that that even happened to you because I totally see where you're coming from. It's scary, especially this person's 10 years older than you. And you were what, maybe 20, 21 around the time that this was happening? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was, I was 21. That's still, that's so young. Like Mm -hmm. I respect it. Like I said, I respect everybody at what age they're at being almost 30 now. Like 21 is so young. I mean, Mm -hmm. who I was at 21 and who I am now is totally different. There is still that level of fear. And especially when, when it sounds like this initially had started, you thought you could like trust this person just to have a brief conversation. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. what the fuck is the difference between having a conversation like Mm -hmm. at a function and having a Mm -hmm. conversation over a text message? It's Mm -hmm. not fucking different. You're not talking about Mm -hmm. anything different. You're still being appropriate. Mm -hmm. He went across the line, literally cross cross lining, but he crossed the line. I mean, the the moment he texted you, he knew he was crossing a line, a boundary that he should not have been crossing. And even if you were engaging in this conversation, I personally do not feel like you were at fault for this. And if he kept it innocent enough, I don't feel like, like if it was just like you guys talking at a function, because we all do, we all talk to our cross line at functions. Like what's the difference? But this Mm -hmm. guy went above and beyond to be sexually harassing you. And then to find out that he has this track record Mm -hmm. and your upline's blaming you for it. Mm -hmm. That is hands down. I mean, I hate, I hate to say this because truly I'm, it's shocking. It's fucked up and it's sad, but this is exactly what worldwide teaches misogyny. Women are below men. Men can't help themselves. In fact, they tell yeah. women, they say, don't dress inappropriately because you don't want to attract somebody else's husband. They treat mm-hmm. men as if somehow they cannot control themselves. And it's yep. our obligation to make sure that they mind their P's and Q's, which is bullshit. Yep. Such yep. Bu- I'm so yeah. like angry. Yeah for you. And he actually proceeded to text me again, um, like two weeks ago, maybe three. No, and he went ahead and texted me. So I've been in business at this out of business at this point, like two months, maybe three. 
So he, you know, I just kind of like disappeared. I went ghost and he proceeded to text me and say, Hey, um, it's pretty clear that you're not in business anymore at this point. So I think I can send this text. And he said, um, but it was something along the lines of, if you really felt uncomfortable with my behavior, that's something you could have told me, but hearing it from my upline wasn't something basically wasn't something I wanted to experience. It's really upsetting that you're not in business anymore, basically, because I don't know what you're going to do with yourself, but wish you the best. And he put like, God bless you at the end of the text. I, I really remember that part was the God bless you. Cause I'm like the audacity you have to bring God into this, like the audacity you have to like put that at the bottom, like just a cute little signature never responded to the text. And I deleted the thread, but I was like, you, you're ballsy. Yeah. He yeah. does. He's gotten away with a bunch of bullshit is what happens. Like mm -hmm. his upline's mm -hmm. not taking this seriously. Like they always say, don't cross line. You'll get in trouble. But here he is not facing any consequences for this. Like mm -hmm. they always said that cross-lining will like end organizations. It kind of did. I mean, I know that there's a various amount of things that made you leave, mm -hmm. but that is a very, very big portion, mm -hmm. I would imagine, mm -hmm. of of yeah. one of the things that maybe pushed you to leave. Like imagine mm -hmm. if, if they didn't condone that. Imagine mm -hmm. if they were actually good people and followed through with mm -hmm. what they said. Mm -hmm. This guy would not be in business anymore and you would have been praised for coming forward. That mm -hmm. is how it could have been handled and how it should have been handled. Mm -hmm. They, on the other hand, yeah. are so brainwashed by, again, mm -hmm. books like Love and Respect, mm -hmm. where women have to be the ones to take responsibility for a man's emotions. Like, yeah. yeah. And instead, yeah. Disgusting. Instead, they encouraged me to reinforce my boundaries um, because they kind of implied that I had a problem with boundaries and I, and it, yeah. And at that point, that was largely in part the reason that I left, not that situation in itself, because I get guys can be weird. Like guys have kind of been weird my entire life, but it was the yeah. way that they handled that situation that showed me a lot about who they were that I didn't expect to see. And that I honestly didn't, didn't know was there. Yeah. And it's sad because they won't take your side. They mm -hmm. will not take your side and they will take the other person's side. Bro, you don't have my back. You're doing what is in your best financial interest. Mm -hmm. That's what you're fucking doing. And in addition to this, I mean, what other red flags were, were you starting to notice that really just kind of started to push you over the edge and wanting to leave? Yeah. So like I said, I think that was the big one, the way they handled that situation. Um, I also, oh God, where do I start? Which point? <laughs> Which one? Um, so a lot of my team was really young. So we were all like 20, well, like 21 to like 24, 25. So we were all pretty young. Um, and so that means we all pretty much didn't have money. And I was just hearing a lot more of the encouraging people to drop out of school. Um, encouraging people to not work as many hours in order to be at functions, um, encouraging people to like default on their rent or to like not pay their rent that month. I heard that that happened like my best friend and they were like, oh, we'll like figure it out. And I just, I, I didn't, I didn't like that. I didn't think that was ethical. So I really wasn't for that. Um, and then there was also some kind of racist remarks <laughs> that I, I heard, but I was also told about. Um, so when I started in business, I didn't think it was a big deal because I just thought, okay, well maybe I'm unprofessional, but I always used to have acrylic nails, big hoops. I never gave up my hoops. I was never anything I could get rid of, but, um, I have like really kind of curly wavy hair. Um, and they really discouraged that kind of appearance. And so I was like, okay, well, like, that's not, that's kind of, I don't want to, that's a cultural thing. You know, like, I mean, like my hair is my appearance, but the nails and the makeup and the lashes, the, that's all very cultural. And so I kind of just looked it over the first time, but the second time it came around was when I took my, who's now my significant other to this function. And they were making remarks about, well, 
no diamond that's ever been on stage has had braids. And he told me about it. My, my significant other told me about it. And I looked at him and I'm like, I can't even say I'm surprised. And that was the point I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done here. I'm done with an organization that won't accept my significant other for the way that he is. I mean, he's been working for years to grow out his hair and now he's going to cut it off because some dude on stage told him to. Absolutely not. Are you delusional? No. Um, and so I saw some of that. One of my best friends, she also has kind of like a fro that she was working to grow out. Um, she got like a septum piercing done and they really looked at her funny for that one. And I'm like, what do you want her to do? Do you want her to, to, I mean, press her hair? It's not even long enough to press it. Like she just has a fro, leave her alone. Right. And so I saw a lot of that happening too. And I just, yeah, it all just kind of compounded and I was, I was done at that point. Yeah. No, yeah. you're not wrong. It, it, it happens. It happens a lot. And, um, mm -hmm. and it happens in ways that I, I it's, it sounds totally blatant right there, but then mm -hmm. you'll have people who are on, who maybe do like my upline who became Eagle, he cut off his locks and they like totally praised him for that. And he was like, I did it. Like, what's your excuse basically. And it's like, just yeah. because you're brainwashed out of your personhood, like you can't do that to other people. No. You can't take somebody's culture away from them when they, they no. do that blatantly, like allegedly in my opinion, whatever the fuck I have to say but like they are a very racist very homophobic organization like if you're not a christian and follow their exact to a t like rules you're you're going to be suppressed you're going even if you do go to these pin levels they're not going to allow you to do what they're supposed to and mm -hmm. oh one thing i remember you saying um, mm -hmm. that's kind of relevant to this conversation is your voice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I remember when I started in business, I guess I don't hear it. So I never know what anybody's talking about, but I guess I have some kind of accent. Don't know. I got that a lot when I started college too. So I don't know. I guess, I guess, I guess people hear something, but so I remember sending a Kate and it was something, I don't know if it was necessarily what I said or how I sounded, but my upline asked that I resend the Kate because she wanted to be able to distribute that to the organization and said that it wasn't necessarily, how did she phrase this? Let me think. She said she, we wanted to have a wide funnel to be able to get through to as many people as possible. And so when you're speaking in a way that's considered more niche, then you don't have as wide of a funnel. And so you have to um, kind of restructure that in order to speak that way. And they also didn't allow me really to speak. I noticed, I don't know if it was intentional on their part, but like, I really didn't get to speak too much at plans or anything until I got whatever accent I have under control. So I don't know if it was just like a code switching thing. I'm not sure, but. So in a, in a sense, they kind of, they basically use this slur and told you you sound ghetto is kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. And not so many words and not That's, so many words. Which is, which is fucking offensive and ridiculous because there's not any specific way that I think it's just, it's cultural, but it's also area specific. I mean, you have to yeah. imagine there's how many different cities in our country alone where mm -hmm. people speak differently. I mean, people in Portland probably have different verbiage or dialogue or mm -hmm. even like slang words, for example, from where you're from or from mm -hmm. everywhere else like like that's that's purely exactly. in my humble opinion that is a very racist remark to say right. but yeah no I mean you the things that you had seen in worldwide is intense and and um kind of going back to like what things look like now as well as I know that you had you kind of briefly went over this really fast is that Amway mm -hmm. changed one of their rules mm -hmm. that 70 percent of your PV has to come from what they call verified customer volume which mm -hmm. is really interesting and I kind of go over this almost every time that I talk to anybody mm -hmm. who who's like been in the business more recently, mm -hmm. we were bull, we were taught to bullshit our PV. 
now that Amway's kind of like created this really, this much more strict rule where you can't just go in and put your own PV volume in anymore as customer volume and just put a name or whatever, that person has to have their own account. Would they, maybe not blatantly, but would they in a roundabout way encourage you guys to create our customer accounts to buy through those accounts? <laughs> you have to connect it to a yeah. customer account. However, there was no limit on how much you could connect to a customer account. And so what they would encourage is be like, okay, well, if you need 100 PV of customer volume, go through your inventory because there was like an inventory tool where you could go through everything you bought, check off 100 PV worth of stuff and assign it to that customer. Yeah. And so you could just like assign it to an existing customer account. So you didn't need to go through and make customer accounts. You could literally just go through and assign it. So even if you only had one person that had signed up as a customer, that was all you needed. And you could assign all of that PV to that customer if you wanted to. And they would tell us, I mean, they would be like, hey, do what you got to do. Like if you're not at 70%, do what you have to do. Because if you didn't reach that 70%, your bonus was affected. You weren't, you weren't being paid out your full bonus. And so that rippled all the way up through your upline. So then your upline in turn was not being paid their full bonus. So they would tell us, hey, if you're not at your 70%, you better go figure it out. Whatever that meant. If that was get more customer sales or if that was basically, I mean, commit fraud, like <laughs> do what you have to do. So this is all again, based on personal experience, things that have been heard, things that have been told. Yep. We're just relaying what we've been told, right? Like yep. that is crazy. It sounds mm -hmm. like the more is cracking down, they find loopholes mm -hmm. and they keep up those loopholes until there's more regulation. Listen, if this is happening, if this is true, I say if, because mm -hmm. it's just based on personal experiences, you guys, that's fucked up. That's fraudulent. That's not okay. Um, mm -hmm. Just blatant and honest. I know when they were teaching us how to do it, that was not it. Like that was not mm -hmm. legal. That was not okay. But they would spin it in a way where it was like, no, 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 like that's okay. No, mm -hmm. the fuck it was never okay. That's horrendous. Mm -hmm. And that just goes to show how bad they are. And I had one more quick question, actually, mm -hmm. because we had spoken about this before. And I know that you said it was they allegedly fell out of qualif diamond qualification. I know of another diamond um, that would have fallen out of qualification and then went back into qualification. But by the time anybody knew that they had been out of qualification in the first place, they were already back in. But what's no funny way. is they're kind of, yeah, what's funny is they're kind of marketed as the example of the five-year plan working. Like they are the golden child. They are the golden egg of this golden goose. Like they are the, the ones on the pedestal for showing that the five-year plan works. And yet they fell out of qualification. And they're a downline from the guy who talks really fast. They're the only oh, downline shit. diamonds from the guy who talks really fast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Really? Mm -hmm. And they went diamond recently, like as of the last couple of years, or they were diamonds when you joined? Yeah, no, they went diamond. I had already, I was already in business, I think 21, maybe 22. Wow. They went diamond, but I didn't know they had even fallen out of qualification until one of the more recent major functions where their upline was like, yeah, well, so-and-so fell out of qualification and they made it back. And I was like, wait, what? Like I did a little double take and it's like, I'm sorry, what? They fell out of qualification. You guys said they were the only five-year diamonds ever. So they were five-year diamonds, but they fell out of qualification. So was their diamond ship not that, was it not as strong as you guys said it was or? Right. Or like what, what was happening? And I guess like, I get things can happen, but to fall out of diamond qual is like kind of a big deal, especially when, like I said, they're being marketed as the example for essentially for the system working, which I, th I mean, as a complete side note, I don't even think they should call it a system, like call it a tools business the way that it is. But I mean, yeah. sure. The system. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And, and it, it's so, it's so crazy. So when you finally decided, okay. Mm -hmm. I am done. Mm -hmm. You had said that your upline sent you some pretty nasty messages. Mm -hmm. Was how long after you left did 
they do this. So my, the way I left was kind of interesting um, because I'm not somebody to just ghost. Like I am very direct and I'm very honest. And so I just like to leave if I'm going to leave. And what had happened was, is I was actually talking to one of my best friends who was again, my downline. And I had actually let her know before I let my upline know. And I said, Hey, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm pretty sure I'm leaving. So we have this whole discussion and she actually, she was under the impression I had already told my upline that I was leaving. Oh shit. And so she sends my upline, my mentor. So that would have been my upline Emerald. My platinum was not my mentor. So she goes and sends Sam a Kate saying, Hey, I just heard Bree is leaving and essentially tells her like, I'm about to leave too. What are you going to tell me to keep me to stay? Because she's having now all these doubts because I'm leaving. Right. Yeah. And so when Sam gets this Kate, she texts me and she says, Hey, I just heard about this conversation you had with your downline. You're doing what? And I was like, Oh, shoot. <laughs> I didn't know that this was going to go, but cool. <laughs> and so mind you, this whole thing happens over text, which I thought she would have called me. So sure. I'm like, okay. Whole thing happens over text. And she's essentially telling me like, first of all, how did you not tell me? And why does your downline know first? And I said, well, she's my best friend and I'm leaving anyway. So that's why she knows yeah. first. Yeah. And then she starts telling me, well, we just had like conversations about this. She was calling me way more frequently by this point because she could feel me pulling back. Um, and she's like, well, we just talked. I don't know how you didn't tell me. And I was like, yeah, because I, I just kind of came really solidly to that decision. I wasn't going to tell you before I knew hundred percent sure. And then she really, it goes into this kind of interrogation phase and she starts pulling at me, pulling at me. Well, why are you leaving? What's going on? Um, and I just told her, I was like, Hey, this is not for me. The way, the way you guys make money, that's cool, but this is not for me. I'm not going to do this. I don't want to pursue this anymore. Um, and then she proceeds to gaslight me and she says, well, so you're going to tell me that helping people get debt free isn't the way to, isn't the way to make money. You're going to tell me that um, making a difference in people's lives isn't the way to make money. You're going to tell me that being able to be financially and, and I don't know, whatever she goes on this whole thing, but you get the point, right? Being able to yeah. do this, this long list of things is not the way to do it. And so she's trying to tunnel me. Like she's trying to corner me into an answer. She's posing it in a way that if I say no, it sounds like maybe like there's something wrong with me. But by this point, I understand the the word gymnastics and I understand the manipulation and I understand the gaslighting because I've seen it all firsthand and I've you know experienced it and I've been taught how to do it. And so I turn it around and I say, well, if that's your perspective on this entire thing, then fine. But this is not the way for me to go. And that's it. And so by the time she kind of realizes that there's absolutely no way, there's no convincing me at this point, she says, okay, so logistically, what are we going to do with this person in your process? So her whole tone just flips kind of like, okay, well, I've done everything I can do to convince you. Now there's that. Um, And so that was kind of that with her. And then I get this horrible text from my upline platinum who had known he's, he's known to be pretty wordy and pretty aggressive. Um, He'd actually had a reputation for blowing out entire teams and blowing out his downline. He'd done it before. Um, And he told me that directly. So that was direct from the source. I sent him a text because mind you, she had texted me. I would have called her, but she sends me a text. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep the tone. I'm not, if I don't have to call him, I'm not going to call him send him a text. Hey, just wanted to let you know, I won't be you know, in business anymore. I've decided to step back, but I appreciate you guys and your time and everything. Right. He sends me a book, a book. I can't even remember all of what it says because it was just, it was, it was crazy, but he essentially does the same thing she does to me and gaslights me. And then he says something that I think is very interesting and that I need to throw out there. And he says, well, what are you going to do? Go back to your association and those people. Now we're from the same city, but my city has a bad rep. And so he would always talk bad about the city that we were from and say that it was a horrible place and that there were just like horrible people there. And so he kind of framed his going out to the West coast as his way of getting out of there. And so he tells me, you're going to go back to those people. And I'm like, okay, well, those people are the same ones that are pretty much building your platinum ship. Cause everybody on my team was from the same city. I took offense to that, that part of his text. And he just, he seemed people, so, that's so fucked. right. It was the, those people for me. I was like, wow, that's, um, that's a horrible way to speak to somebody. And then he pretty much told me I've never known anybody to leave worldwide and have peace. So basically go 
good luck, right? LOL. And, you know, hope you hope you figure it out. And then he actually also sent me a, a horrible text. I don't know if you want me to go into that now. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, so I actually had my customers like, so he went through my customer list because I had officially deactivated my business. And so when that happens, um, all of your customers get shifted to your upline. And so he got all of my customer names like loaded into his customer database. And he was going through and texting all of my former customers. Now all of my co- former customers are friends and family. So they're screenshotting this and sending it to me and, you know, question marks, what the heck is going on? And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I left. And they're like, oh, okay, great. We don't want to buy anymore. And so I just sent him a text. I was like, hey, and I was really polite, really respectful. I said, hey, you know, hope you're doing well. I just wanted to ask that you stop reaching out to my former customers. They're, they're not interested in buying anymore. They're really only buying because I was in business. So I really don't want them being harassed. They don't want to um, be receiving these text messages. So I'm just asking if you could just, you know, not contact them, please. And thank you. And I was really polite about it. I was really nice. I was just like, I, I don't need to be aggressive at that point. I was like, I, I have no aggression towards you guys. And then he hits me back with this text, very passive aggressive and says, well, sure. Let me know who your customer. He starts off fine. Sure. Hey, let me know what customers you don't want me to reach out to. You know, I, I don't know whose customers are whose and somebody quits. I just kind of get the database. And then he says, and then he starts getting aggressive and says, you know, I would hate for an entire network to go to waste after sp- spending years and years of effort pouring into an IBO. You understand. And then, so I start to type out a text that's very similar in tone with, you know, being passive aggressive. And I hit him with a, you understand. And I'm like, no, you know what? I don't, I don't even need to do that. And I call him out on being passive aggressive. And I said, Hey, you know what? It's very clear that you feel some type of way about not me not being in business anymore, which is fine. But you're like, your attitude, and your energy is unnecessary. All I'm asking is for you to not reach out to the people that I have asked you to not reach out to. That's all I need from you. Um, and I don't think that's asking too much. And he also in this initial text that he sent me said something along the lines of um, that network is like, he, he tried to put claim on my network, the one that I had built of customers. And so in my response to him, I was like, well, you know, regardless of who helped me build it, that's still my network. And you have no right to any of those people. So, you know, pretty much leave, you know, thanks, please. Thanks. Leave him alone. And he sends me some text back that I can't remember. Um, then three or four days later, it's literally like nine o'clock at night. I'm coming home from seven 11. I'm getting an icy, like it's late. I mean, he sends me a text saying again, a book. So I didn't even read it. I just saw the end. And he says, um, again, he's being very aggressive because I'm like picking up on some of the language when I scanned it. And at the end, he says, you betrayed a lot of people and you went back on your word. I almost started, I almost started to call him to be like, if you're that grown, let's talk on the phone, right? Like grown people do. (laughs) And then I was like, you know what? It's not even worth arguing with him because this is arguing with a brick wall. And so I just had the message and I was like, this is hilarious that you four days later were still so bent about me asking you not to reach out to my customers that you wrote a book as to why I did something wrong or as to how I offended you. And I just thought it was funny. I'm like, that's kind of sad that that's how you spend your time. That is a lot of petty bullshit. And I know that you had the suspicion that they treated like you treated you like this when you left because you were a big asset in Mm -hmm. these people's organization. I mean, you Mm -hmm. left with what, like, I mean, more than an eagle ship. Yeah. Everybody got, everybody left right behind me too. So after like a week or two, they had lost everybody. Damn. Well, hey, and, good, yeah. congratulations on leading a max ex- exodus. Yeah, like crazy, you saved yeah. people. That was really helping people yes. was being honest. And I regret every day that I didn't tell my downline that I was leaving. I was too scared to. Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck it. Like, I'm not trying to, I just want to leave silence. I was doing for me and my kids. Like that's all I was focused on mm-hmm. at that point. Plus I was still in this very abusive relationship. It's insane to me that this is what happened to you as you were leaving. I mean, I'm glad that you left. I really am because there's just so much to this. And I know one other thing that makes you so mad, and we're going to, we're going to get to this real quick. Cause I, I said, we'd get to it later. Here we are mm-hmm. later. Was there ever any indication ever 
any talk about the fact that allegedly Platinums <laughs> and above might get paid on the apps or any discussion as to where that money goes other oh, than they use it to fund worldwide. Oh my God. Don't even get me started. No, <laughs> nobody. No, that, this is where my bone is, is right here. Because no, they never, they never told anybody or gave any indication that that's where some of their money was coming from. And I remember kind of starting to figure that out. I had just, I had seen things when people were sharing screens, they were doing meetings for me and I would kind of see parts of their PV and I'm like, that doesn't add up to what income you said you made. Like two plus two, I make it four. That doesn't make sense. And so I figured there had to, either they were lying about their income or they were making other, they, they had other ways that they were making money, but they never let on that that's how they were making that money. And that is just so deceptive. And it makes complete sense because they would always push people to at least be on Kate and to at least be on Premiere, even if you weren't using it. So you had it at your disposal. What logical person would tell somebody to pay for something that they are not using? How does that make any sense? Especially if they're trying to watch your budget and do what's best interest for you financially. Absolutely. No. They wouldn't let us launch people if they couldn't afford the apps. Nope. That's, so again, just for you guys specifically, this is alleged. I received this information in a screenshot from a third party anonymous person. And this was a an, an phone call or not a phone call, I'm sorry, a text conversation with them and a very high pin level who left, who admitted like, yeah, we're making money off you and kind of gave a, a small rundown of how much speakers were getting paid at functions and how much they were getting paid off of these apps. And uh, it's really interesting because they always told us like they're they're just here to speak out their out of their heart. They're here to they're taking time away from their families. They're here for free. They're here for you. That's bullshit, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, mm-hmm. that's angry. No, yeah, that's it, very it, it, angry. Is, yeah, and and I think that's why it makes me so upset because that was like that's really really if we're I mean sure throw allegedly in front of it or whatever we have to, but that's the business. That's where they're making money is off of yeah. our heads for paying for these apps and paying for these subscriptions. There is no, I mean even if you do the math, it's almost damn near impossible to make that money just in the Amway business. It takes too much. It takes too yeah. much. You can't sell. I mean, 7,500 PV multiplied by three. How do you sell all that product on your own? And how do you convince enough people to help you sell that amount of product? How do you, how do you do that? Right. So it's yeah. like, even that, if you make that happen, that's still not the income level that they're saying it is. Correct. So it's like, yeah. why not just be transparent about, I mean, if you just said like, Hey, we produce these apps, we're up like in kind of the upper echelons of this we're making money off of it just like just say that just be transparent but the fact that they are doing their damnedest to make sure that nobody knows there's a reason they're doing that and that's where I get really heated yeah yeah it's it's frustrating it is really frustrating because you you idolize these people and um Actually, there was also a post from somebody who works at Kate who was anonymous, but they said, "We like, hey, I work for this company that owns um, Communicate and you guys are being scammed. Your upline is absolutely getting paid on this, allegedly per this comment. And again, allegedly per this screenshot conversation. Now, can I prove it? No, but there's too much, in my opinion, evidence to, to prove that it's true. But again, allegedly, I can't prove it myself. I just, I want to know if it's true that this is how they get paid. If they are paid speakers, if they are paid on apps. Why are the fuck are you lying about it? If this is true, allegedly? Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I honestly, I theorize that it's because that's where most of their income come from, comes from. And if you tell somebody so like too. me, who's, you know, trying to go Eagle or like going double and you tell me like, Hey, well, most of my money actually comes from 
subscriptions and from, you know, being on stage and being a speaker, well, how, I mean, I guess how motivated am I now to go and sell these products? Because now I know that that you're not making the money off these products. You're not making the money off of, off of with even you're making this money off of you made it to the top. You, you clung on for long enough to make it to the top to then get paid and get your payout. They talk about how John Maxwell charges Lord, how much money, you know, for that kind of stuff. And he does it for worldwide for free. So you're not afraid to say that that's not that he's like a paid speaker. So so there's no shame in that. But then if the diamonds say that they're paid, it's a problem. Like your time is worth money. Just say that. But it's only problematic because I think that's where most of their income comes from. And the minute they say that it becomes an issue. You know, it's funny as they always told us that John Maxwell spoke for free. I want, here's the thing, even if he does speak for free, even if he's paid, mm-hmm. where has most of his books being sold on the exactly. worldwide app. Yep. So he's still making money off of us too, because Ma- John Maxwell is one of the number one booksellers that we were taught to buy. Mm-hmm. You all want every John Maxwell book, but buy them off the app because they're quote mm-hmm. cheaper. Mm-hmm. And even if that is like a small percentage cheaper, mm-hmm. where is that money going? Of course, mm-hmm. John Maxwell's going to get a fucking cut. He's not just going to sell his books for nothing. He is getting a cut. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. But like, that's what it looks like. And I really hope if there are people on this, like listening to this episode that are part of Worldwide, please just put your defense down for two seconds and, and listen to the podcast. Like, please don't don't jump to defense. Don't jump to, to protect anybody. People talk bad about people all the time. You don't need to protect yep. them. Just take a second. Like, go in your room, go in your bathroom, wherever. Shut the door. You don't ever have have to listen to it again but take a second and just listen and tell me your mind doesn't change because I'm I now I was I remember when somebody heard I wasn't building a business they were like there's no way you they were like the same one who like this is all you did this is all you preached you you ate slept and and you breathed Amway and I'm like yeah same one is that on the other side and there's a reason absolutely gosh I I'm really grateful we've definitely gone over time I mean if it's if it's long as long if people mm-hmm. are still here for it I mean fuck yeah like mm-hmm. the more that information that we can get fantastic um but I am so grateful for this and just a real real quick mm-hmm. I know yeah. that we kind of went over who you are today and everything yeah. how mm-hmm. can we support how as a community can we mm-hmm. support you um mm-hmm. in your cause to spread awareness against Amway mm-hmm. or even the things that you do in life now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think as far as Amway and Worldwide are concerned, just like be open to hearing people out if you're part of Amway, if you're part of Worldwide. And if you are somebody who's like trying to get somebody out, approach with caution and be nice and don't attack their baby because Worldwide is their baby. And then you just figure it out from there. Um, Because I wish somebody had gone about it that way with me. Um, But as far as my cause right now, so I'm actually trying to, like I said, break back into the entertainment industry. That's what I wanted to do originally. And I'm involved in like photography and I'm working really hard on a lot of things. So following my Instagram would be super helpful. Um, I could probably just, can I just give the handle? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So it's just, um, so it's breezy, B-R-E-E-Z-Y and then underscore um, B-A-B-E-Y. So I've got like a bunch of cool photography stuff on there and some music stuff. So that would be awesome if you're interested. Yeah, we will definitely, um, I will link this as well in the episode. Mm-hmm. Anything that you post, mm-hmm. be more than happy to share it mm-hmm. so that people can mm-hmm. see it. Um, but you guys be supportive of these people who are coming on here and and being brave. It is, it is challenging to get to the point where you mm-hmm. are okay with sharing this because like we've mentioned a thousand times over again, it's scary. Nobody wants mm-hmm. to tell their story at first because you have so many mixed emotions and there is still that like, I, I don't want them 
them to come after me, or maybe you're still protecting them or whatever it is that you're afraid of. Like, it's okay to speak out, but like support these, support these people. If they have something and want you to support it, please be there to support them because they're going to be more supportive of you than anybody in Amway or worldwide. Anybody who's left is probably going to be one of your biggest fanatics, fans, and they're going to be there to support you because they know what it's like to have somebody bullshit support. So I am so, so grateful for your time. You are welcome back anytime. If people out there are listening and you guys want to share a story, please, please DM me on Instagram at X's and T underscore podcast. You guys can find me on TikTok, YouTube at X's and T underscore podcast. You guys can find me on Apple Music and Spotify. And uh, hopefully we'll get a consistent schedule going soon again because uh, we love that. But anyways, thank you again, Brie. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch everybody on the next episode. Oh, 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 oh,